No crying. There's no crying in baseball. Card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode 11 of Terrace Talk. Uh, we had an action pack Brewers week uh, since we last spoke. The Brewers went on a five and two run against arch rivals. Um, they went to Wrigley, won two out of three games, went to Bush Stadium, won two out of three games. After losing the opener in each of them, um, and then we're recording this immediately following a six to three victory um, home at AmFam Field, where Freddie Peralta pitched his dick off again, um, throwing sliders, making Baez chuck his bat halfway across the field. And this team is rolling, boys. How are we doing? It's amazing how the swings of baseball, it's like we started the year after the twin series kind of got a sour taste in our mouth and then, you know, opened against Chicago and lost. And it's like, we kind of had the sour taste, but it was like through all of that, our rotation has just been absolutely lights out where you knew it was kind of a matter of time before the bats to get that. We're going to get rolling. We have way too good of hitters. And then Saturday was really the day for me when the offense kind of exploded. And I know Travis had a big hit there, but Part of me thinks that seeing Keston start barreling pitches got the rest of the guys going because then Avi started hitting. And even today, you got guys like Urias having the big hit, Jackie Bradley Jr. barreling a baseball. So it was like it was only a matter of time before the bats got going. And if our rotation keeps pitching like this and we're up 6-1, 6-0 every game going in the sixth and seventh inning, it's like we are in it. We're we're hot. We are hot. <laughs> yeah, man, the rotation has been – Absolutely absurd. I mean, we're 10 games in, six and four. Um, you know, we've played, you know, we'll see how the season turns out, but a pretty tough schedule. Um, the Cubs, I mean, if we just bury them in April, um, you know, we've talked about this in the past, they could be selling, but we've had a, a pretty tough schedule. Like we haven't had the Pirates or the D-backs to start, like the Reds, um, but, you know, we've gone through the rotation now twice and the starting rotation is putting up gaudy numbers. <laughs> I mean, historic. Yeah. Historic numbers. Um, you know, Freddie, two unbelievable outings against the Cubs, five innings or six innings today, one earned run to Chris Bryant, which is a home run, um, but 10 strikeouts. Uh, he actually had his command really throughout the whole night. He only walked what two guys and he was getting squeezed there early on. Yeah. Um, so he's looking sharp. Um, you know, there's so much to unpack during this, uh, this full week. So, um, I guess, you know, we can stick with the starting pitching and Corbin Burns again. <laughs> um, I mean, he's starting to make a name for himself as one of the best pitchers in all of baseball had a dominant showing against the Cardinals. Um, you know, we ended up blowing that game, but we bounced back, win a couple, uh, what are your guys' take on on Corbin his second time through? Yeah, I mean, the dude is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I know that game kind of got away from us late. Um, Arnado hit that big two-run bomb. I mean, I was for sure – I was in the basement after that one. I was I was packing it in, but, you know, the boys always bouncing back. Um, Corbin Burns kind of getting the Jacob deGrom treatment where he just gets no run support. Um, could you imagine if this – if we're hitting and he's on the mound, like they just don't stand a chance. It's just stupid. 
Yeah, I can't imagine how demoralizing it would be for a team to be down like 3-0 in the first or second and you let Corbin settle in. Like that's just got to be an absolute nightmare situation for you. I mean, after two starts, his K percentage currently is sitting at 48.8%. And I think Freddie actually may, after the stats update tonight, Freddie actually may be higher than that, but still 48.8%. And I know it's two starts and that's obviously going to go down, but it's just been his pitch mix right now is like, He's throwing hard. He's throwing his curveball consistently for a strike that sits like 80, and he's moving it everywhere. His sinker's cutting back towards righties. Obviously, his cutter is just absolutely nuts. That uh, pitching ninja always tweets his backdoor cutter and is pretty much quoting it as the best pitch in baseball. But, like, I don't think, and, and for the casual fans out there, like, baseball is hard. I, and maybe I'm biased, but it's by far the hardest sport in the world. Can you imagine standing in a batter's box, being a left-handed hitter, seeing a ball traveling 96 miles an hour that looks to be off the plate? You have a split second to decide, and then you just watch it kind of cut back to the back uh, side of the plate. Like you have literally a zero. Actually, I'm going to go. I'm going to take that back. You have a negative percent chance of hitting that pitch. So um, if, if Corbin can keep spotting all of his pitches like that, he is going to be there with DeGrom. Um, and others for that NL Cy Young this year. Yeah, dude, he kind of had like the reverse of his last outing. He didn't end up giving up a run, but the Cardinals, I believe, let off with a leadoff triple. Um, And then he basically shut him out from there. Didn't even give up a hit. Ended up going six innings, one hit. Um, And how many strikeouts was it? Um, nine because he's got nine 20 strikeouts. Yep, he's got 20, 20 strikeouts and 12 and a third this year. So, um, he gets the Cubs on a day game, um, on Wednesday. So, another team that strikes out a lot, hopefully, can be right around that 10 strikeout benchmark and uh, continue that success. So, um, we got to mention Woody too. Uh, on the last pod, we kind of mentioned, you know, you know, this might be. Corbin's staff here pretty soon. This was his last opening day start as Corbin kind of ascends into being a top pitcher in the National League and in all of Major League Baseball. But uh, Woody went out and had a rubber match against the Cubs in that series early last week and flirted with the no-no himself. And was efficient. He was putting guys away um, and really kept that pitch count down to the point where he got through seven easy and I think if this game's later in the season, that counts kind of just lets him ride that one out more. Um, but early on, we turn it to Devin, um, who's who's kind of struggled early on. And we can we can get into the bullpen struggles after we talk up this rotation to start, because ultimately that's been the story of the season. But uh, Woody went in, shoved against Kyle Hendricks. We ended up winning that game in extra innings. Um, and then we got the repeat matchup tomorrow where you got to feel confident about our horse against theirs, um, the way we're throwing the ball and, uh, you know, the way the Cubs are struggling at the plate, we feel good going in these next couple. So what are your thoughts on, uh, on Woody Mitch? I know, uh, you were kind of skeptical about him putting guys away and we, we were joking. We we're like, we must've motivated him for that start on last Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, no. And, and the good thing to see about Woodruff too, was he was getting some early contact on his non-strikeout ABs. I know he had double digit punchies, I think as well. Um, but the cool thing there, or the nice thing there to keep his pitch count under control is he was getting a lot of soft contact early outs, um, early in the game as well. So it's like, if he wasn't striking guys out, he was fooling so many hitters that they weren't barreling him. Um, I can't even think of an AB that he, yeah, I mean, he was pretty much in control every AB. Um, and you know, I know he kind of gassed himself in that sixth inning there where they kind of took him out, but, um, that's going to be Woodruff's key this year. I know he's He's going to be an elite arm for us. He's going to be a front end rotation piece for the next four years for us. But I think he will flirt with that, you know, Corbin potential ceiling if he can continue to put guys away and not struggle where he, you know, he lets hitters battle back into counts and gets the full counts and kind of rides his pitch count. So that'll be a key point to watch all year. If Woodruff can get early outs and put guys away, you're talking about, you know, I got into it on Twitter arguably the best one-two duo in baseball. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Dodgers have a say. Yeah, and Padres, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, definitely top three for sure. The White Sox, too, with Giolito and Lance Lynn. Yeah. Um, Lynn just tossed a complete game shut piece. I mean, there's, like, there's teams out there that you can argue 
Um, I'm just saying I would take our guys. I just, I'm would, I mean, we're obviously biased. We watch them night in and night out, but the electric stuff that they show every single night, I'm rolling with those guys. And from a ceiling perspective, I don't know if we fully know yet what definitely we don't know what Corbin's ceiling is. He's starting to kind of show potentially what his ceiling's like. But Woodruff too, like they're both still like continuing to grow and get better and better. And like, you know, from the White Sox perspective, obviously they're good, but like Lance Lynn's 34, 35. He's been in the league for a while. I mean, you know what you're gonna get from Lynn. Obviously, he's a good arm and stuff like that. But it's like I don't know if we fully know what. Corbin and Woodruff's ceiling potential is and consistent ceiling potential that is too. Um, so that'll be interesting to, to see play out. But yeah, they, both of those guys have just set the tone for the rotation and the rest of the guys are, are kind of getting motivated from that. And it's just been so much fun to watch. Dude, I don't even know if we know what Freddie's ceiling is. Through 13 <laughs> innings, he's got 24 punchies. It's just like he's punching out to an inning, man. It's just not even fair. I mean, with our top three dogs, with Freddie, Corbin, Woody, they punched out today. He threw, today he threw quite. A, I didn't see what the percentage was, but he threw. You know, I would say almost double digit changeups, and that's something we haven't seen from him ever. So now oh. is Freddie working in a four pitch mix from a guy that you know when he started he was pretty much predominantly fastball, like eighty percent fastball. Now it's if Freddie can trust four pitches with you know his spin rate and his deception. Um, are you talking about yeah. literally three aces in your rotation? And don't even get me started about my boy uh, Hauser. I mean, he's obviously the best pitcher yeah. in baseball, but it's <laughs> it's been fun to watch. Yeah, that's a good segue. I was just going to bring up our guy Adrian Hauser. Um, he had a solid outing for the Brewers on Saturday. Um, we really needed a a bounce back win after a tough loss on Thursday and that that off day on Friday was tough I mean that day felt like four um losing a game like that where Corbin controlled it and Arenado had his nice moment on opening day and then you know Adrian comes in kind of lulls people to sleep um didn't have phenomenal command but he's he's battling and he get he can get out of any jam with the amount of ground balls that he induces um the way he throws so He's through 10 innings. Um, he's been solid. Uh, you know, he's got a, what he gave up two runs the first game, one run the second. Um, and he's, he's just been a solid force in the rotation. So Mitch, what do you got on that? Yeah. Well, don't cheat my guy. It was an unearned run in that second game. It was, he didn't give up any earned. So there was, a ah, you're right. You're right. Question made an error. The streak yeah. ended with Brad Anderson. Um, <laughs> giving up some runs. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing about Hauser and you touched on it was his ability to get out of jams because of how consistently he can get ground balls right now. And this number will obviously is a bit inflated after two starts. He's uh, getting a 68% ground ball rate, which is ridiculous. Uh, I think we talked about uh, Brett Anderson having a 56% ground ball rate last year, which was like third in baseball. Um, but with Hauser's movement, he, as long as BAP, stays on his side. And I actually tweeted about this. And I think this is a very interesting stat for people to watch. And ultimately why I was riding him early on as a bounce back candidate is because last year his batted balls in play against was 40 points higher than league average, which is ridiculously high. It just kind of felt like he ran into a lot of bad luck last year. So if he can get that back to league average or even have some luck on his side where he's below league average, uh, you're talking about a guy that, you know, potentially with the way he gets ground ball rates is, you know, I, I don't even know what Hauser's ceiling is. Low threes, ERA, um, and for a three or four, um, you can't ask for much more than that. So I'm excited to watch him pitch. Obviously, you know, he doesn't have the flair that Corbin and Woodruff and Freddie have where they can go out and have 12 strikeouts. I don't think we'll ever see yeah. that from Hauser, but something about, you know, just watching a guy, you know, gives up a leadoff hit or a walk and it's like, okay, you know, the opposing team's trying to build some momentum and that next day he gets just a tailor-made double play and just a huge fist pump. It's just like something about that gets me just as fired up as a nasty K. I'm looking at his MLB.com profile. Did we know that his nickname is Doogie? Doogie? I did not know that. I should have. I mean, I mean, if the, we got to bring that out of the weeds. That has, I mean, holy shit. What a nickname. <laughs> I'm creating a player jersey. I'm creating a player jersey and just putting Doogie on the back. Yeah, that can't be real. <laughs> oh, oh, gee. Is that, is that a Wikipedia page that someone changed? This is straight from MLB.com, like the Brewers profile on them. 
<laughs> Holy cow. What a what a legendary game. My guy. Yeah, and then we had Brett Anderson. I mean, he gave up a run early in that start on Sunday, but ultimately battled, and the Brewers gave him a bunch of run support. And honestly, that was like the prototypical Brett Anderson start that we could probably get accustomed to seeing this year, where it's not going to be pretty whatsoever. Um, but you're going to look up in the fifth or sixth, and you're going to be in the ball game. So, um, like we said, I mean, we're get we're waking up eighty percent of the days, literally jumping at the bit to get to game time to watch those starters. But uh, Brett Anderson's no slouch. He can still pitch and be creative and grind his way through. So, I mean, all, all in all, we had, we've had one poor start out of 10 games and you'll take that all day, every day. <laughs> now um, we can get something that uh, get something that hasn't been great, um, which we thought was going to be, the strength of our team coming into the season is our bullpen. Um, so Josh Hader comes in. Um, he's been awesome this year. He's got three appearances, three saves, um, and his stuff. I mean, he's sitting 97, 99, uh, and throwing that slider effectively. He's been awesome. We don't have to worry about him. It's the rest of the guys. Um, so what worries you guys most about the way the bullpen has thrown the first 10 games? I mean, I think the easy one to jump out is Devin Williams, obviously. We watched him throw tonight. He didn't have his command. I mean, it's kind of been how it's been for him, his three outings he's had. Um, listen to the broadcast tonight. They were talking about how uh, Hader had like nine appearances, or nine or ten appearances in spring, and Devin only had like four or five. Um, so he's still kind of getting ramped up yet. I mean, I think he's just struggling with his release point a little bit. He's still, he's still nasty. He's still got that airbender, but – I'm less worried about him. I mean, Rasmussen's getting, been getting roughed up lately, and he was a big arm for us last year. I know, Mitch, you're a big, big Raz guy who uh, you predicted him to be really good, future Brewers closer, probably two years ago. Um, I think he's the biggest worry out of him because I figured he's going to be penciled in for a really, really good year, but we're kind of talking about how he might get shuttled down now that he's not pitching very well. Yeah, and just to add to that, the shuttle comment, um, it's worth noting today that Eric Yardley, the guy that I think all three <laughs> of us were probably pretty much ready to just, we've seen enough with him. He got shipped to the alternate site and they called up Perdomo, who today was called into the game and CC didn't have him on the lineup card, so he instantly got pulled. Um, but that's, you know, that's another story. But yeah, I mean, to touch on Rasmussen he's one of those guys that he's going to find it at some point. He throws way too hard. He has way too good of a slider. I think his problem right now is he's getting behind in counts. I haven't seen the statistic on it, but I want to say that 80%, 90% of the count or the at-bats that he's seen in his, you know, four innings so far this year, he's been behind hitters where it makes him just, you know, more susceptible to giving up some hard contact when you have to throw a get me over strike. Um, I will say the pitch to Nolan, he missed his spot, but it was still a tough pitch. It was like a 98 fastball that was like low and in and Nolan's just a good hitter and dropped a barrel on it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. He's still young. He's still learning how to pitch um, in the big league. So I wouldn't be shocked if he gets, you know, shuttled back and forth. But I do think at some point wrestlers and stuff is too good for him not to be um, a high leverage guy for us. Um, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, some of the other bullpen arms that struggle, but if there has been a non-hater bright spot to this point, and I know he struggled in the high leverage spot he was used in Chicago, but JP, and we talked about him on the last uh, podcast as well, has been uh, one of those bright spots for, you know, one of those non-known names to step up. So I'm excited to see JP continue to grow and maybe he can give us that Tapa type impact where it was like, you know, a guy you weren't expecting to be pitching well all year. Um, maybe JP can be that guy for us um, over the next couple months. Yeah, I was going to highlight that. So we touched on the negative. Um, so Yardley already shipped out. Devin Williams, <sighs> I'm not too worried yet. Um, it's, it's still pretty early. I think he's just trying to find his feel and he's been used so scarcely as the same with Josh, these first 10 games, it's kind of been strange where we haven't really been in spots where you typically go like, you know, one or two or even three run lead in the eighth or ninth. And you go naturally Devin to Josh. Um, we've used them in kind of weird, strange extra innings, 
et cetera, situations. Um, so I'm not too worried there. Josh Lindblom has been horrible. <laughs> I mean, he, he's been coming in in like garbage time spots where we just need him to get through innings. And dude, he threw like 67 pitches. I feel like to get through two innings. I think I thought it was even more than that. I thought it was like almost 80. <laughs> I mean, it's like his fastball is like 89 and he's trying to be creative with like 13 different pitches and none of it's working right now. <laughs> I mean, he's he's fine in the role that he plays. He's basically a garbage man right now. Like, he's just going to eat up innings at the end. Um, don't need to spend too much time on him. But, yeah, Rasmussen's been disappointing. Um, the Raptor is just steady, and he's going to go in there and do his fucking job, dude. <laughs> I love me some Brent Suter. He works so quickly. I mean, he's thrown – he threw tonight another scoreless outing, so now he's up to six and two-thirds with only one run given up. Um, so he's, he's balling. Um, my guy, don't give up on the dream yet. My bold prediction, Boxberger, um, he might start throwing in some higher leverage situations. Small sample size, he's been good, two and a third, um, hasn't given up any runs. So we'll see. I'm not, uh, the panic level isn't too high on my end. Um, as long as Josh is, you know, the best closer in baseball, I think we can piece out the rest uh, just fine. Right. Especially if our starters are going to continue to just give quality start after quality start. And like Suter is such a perfect mix for all of our starters. Cause you know, like five starters are, you know, high velocity, high spin rate guys. And then Suter is just all about deception, a lefty deception that works super quick. And uh, it's just like a perfect compliment to come, you know, first out of the shoot after, you know, Freddie or Woodruff or Burns. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's kind of like a role player in like basketball. Like you wonder how Brent Suter would be on like a random team, like the Braves, if you think he would be any good, but the Brewers and like council use him so perfectly that he just, it ends up being a very solid MLB reliever the way he's used in Milwaukee. Um, cool. Well, we, we touched on the, the entire pitching staff there. Um, Let's talk about this real quick. So this happened early on last week um, and was kind of a, a thing that we saw coming um, the way spring played out and the quotes that were coming out. Um, but we end up shipping out um, Orlando Arcia to the Braves for two relievers. So I'll let Mitchell kind of handle this um, and give you the scouting report on what we can expect from those two big fellas we got from Atlanta and uh, guys that we might be seeing here pretty soon, actually. Yeah, especially with the way the bullpen has had some shaky appearances. It could be not long before one or both of those start getting into the mix. Um, so we re- we acquired two arms, uh, probably two bullpen arms. I know Weagle uh, was used as a starter a little bit, but I think he'll be a pen piece for us. So the first guy I'll touch on is Chad Sabotka. He is, and when you said two big fellas, um, that's probably putting it lightly. Chad Saboka, I think, is 6'7", six, 6'8", six, like 230. Just an absolute monster, intimidating presence at the mound. Um, I will say, though, his stats don't back that up. Um, he throws hard, but his problem has been he, he can't throw strikes, or he, at least to this point, and he's been in the bigs for a while. I think he made his major league debut in like 2016 and never really panned out in the Braves' bullpen. Um, I think for us to get some value out of Saboka, he'll have to work on getting ahead in counts and using his slider. His slider is kind of his plus pitch, um, but he hasn't really leveraged it much because he gets behind in count so much and doesn't just has to throw get me over fastballs, which has gotten him in trouble. Um, so I don't see him playing a role in a key bullpen spot for us consistently, but I think the, you know, potential value in this trade for us is the other arm we acquired Patrick Weagle um he is ranked or was ranked 12th in the Braves farm system which is a decent farm system the Braves have always developed arm talent well too I mean we talked about Ian Anderson on the last podcast um Soroka uh free yeah so it's like they they do a really good job and they've had some good bullpen pieces too so he's he was 12th in their farm system and was kind of climbing fast. He pitched really well in the minors and then ran into some bad luck in 2017 where he had gotten Tommy John surgery. Um, so he, he hasn't returned to form since TJ. 
Um, but I could see him being a, a power pen piece where he, they said if, you know, when he's been pitching out of the pen, he's been touching like 97, 98 and has a pretty wipeout slider. Um, so I could see him, if he can kind of regain that strength, being a potential high leverage bullpen arm um, that, you know, David kind of craves for the high 90s fastball with a wipeout slider. So um, Weagle is probably the guy that I would watch out for. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, giving us the lowdown there, because admittedly, when, you know, this, as these news, uh, these transactions break on Twitter, it's always hilarious. It's like, Orlando Arcia is going to unknown destination. And then it's like, okay, he's going to Atlanta. Okay, wait 20 minutes. Brewers are getting two pitchers. Okay, so scour their roster and try to figure out who it is. 20 minutes later, I find out it's these guys and it's like, well, Still have zero idea who these guys are, so I'll turn to uh, turn to the, the experts here for intel on those guys. <laughs> yeah, and, and with with trading uh, RC, I think it's probably only fair. And I know it was it was kind of a a take that I got or a message that I had got that we give Arcia um, his kind of respects and kind of give him a farewell uh, Terrace Talk podcast uh, kind of run around. So. Uh, over the next five to 10 minutes, we each need to say two to three moments with Arcia that we were thankful for, made us laugh and, you know, ultimately, you know, wish him the best in Atlanta. But uh, Hanson, I'll let you start and let's just do a little quick goodbye to our man's Orlando. <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, Orlando was around for for some good moments, um, you know, ultimately didn't pan out the way we wanted him to be in Milwaukee's shortstop as of late haven't um as of late as like the last 25 30 years um but no he, he showed up in the biggest games and this is why i don't know if this is a if it's a concentration thing with him but when we needed him most he would th- show up with big hits i mean the one that comes to mind is the four hit game and w- game 163 um he hit a home run in the Dodgers game last year um, when we were in that little mini series after that 60 game series, um, he was like one of the only guys that swung the bat. Well, um, he had a home run in that Rocky series in 2018. Um, so yeah, man, there's a lot of good moments. Um, the, when he stole the ice cream from the fan in the crowd, I mean, just like little shit like that, that made you chuckle. And he was part of the, the Spanish brewers. So it's uh it's always sad to, to see those guys go, but it was time. It's time to give Luis his shot before we get Trevor story in a few months. So that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, you actually stole, stole my uh, memories like word for word with the ice cream. I even have the gift pulled up right now. Uh, I don't want to take parting shots at a guy on his way out, but there's, it's pretty limited memories. Like I just, I just named them all. Yeah. You, the, those are two probably the best ones. Um, one that sticks out for me is he kind of started the home run gauntlet where he kind of hugs hugs everyone at the end of the tunnel. Um, I mean, that was amazing, especially when I had like Aggie um, and all the Spanish brewers, they were going nuts. Hernan Perez, old friend. Um, I mean, that was awesome. That was got the team going. He's always like looking into the camera when they're yeah. interviewing Sophia on the side, just like smirking and doing stupid faces. I mean, he was a fun guy to watch for sure. Um, like his, like you said, he does show up and when the lights shine the brightest and that was kind of the awesome part about him. I mean, a couple mental mistakes, he'd <laughs> throw the ball 40 feet over his head, over the first baseman's head, <laughs> and then he'd make a diving play in, a, in the five hole and throw him out across from the seat across the field. So, I mean, I don't know. He's an awesome guy to watch. I mean, we kind of grew up the last couple of years. Um, a lot of Brewer fans got to know him pretty well. Sad to see him go, but excited to where we're headed. Um, like you yeah. said, Tra- Trevor Story, future Brewer, book it. Yeah, Arcia was kind of uh, – Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, from my perspective, Arcia was kind of the guy <clears> – <throat> he was the first guy to kind of like – when we started to go through our transition of, you know, rebuild after the 2011-2012, we kind of stunk a little bit for like the mid – 2014, 2015, Arcia got called up in 2016. And that was, I mean, we weren't all that good in 2016, but 2017 was that first year where we kind of exceeded expectations and Arcia was kind of part of that. Um, So it was like kind of cool to see, you know, him kind of grow up with the team um, as we got better and now, you know, are competitive every single year, but you touched on his postseason thing and 
that's something where I do think he has value um, throughout the remainder of his MLB career. He is a career 879 OPS hitter in the playoffs, um, which is really good. Um, but like you said, it just wasn't consistent enough in the regular season. His regular season numbers were historically bad. I mean, I saw a stat in, you know, since 2016 of players in the MLB that have recorded at least a thousand uh, plate appearances. He had like the third worst OPS in all of baseball for any position. So it's just like he wasn't consistent enough in the regular season. Um, but if there is one thing I want to talk about, not a specific moment, because you covered all of them was, you know, if I ever have kids someday and I want my kids to, you know, love the game the way someone did, it would be Arcia. Always laughing, always smiling, like joking with, you know, the opposing team, our team. You know, you talked about the home run gauntlet. It's just he went to work every single day, absolutely loving his job. And you, it was just so visible. And that's, you know, ultimately the biggest thing that I'll miss about him. Yeah. I mean, to a T, you saw the the Twitter goodbyes from clubhouse personnel, like Sophia, some of the players, announcers. To a T, everyone was just saying how great of a clubhouse guy he was. So um, he will be missed in that sense. But basically this hands the keys over to uh, Luis Urias getting majority of the playing time over there at shortstop, who quite frankly has been has been really bad at the plate this year himself. Um, He was two for 27, two for 27 coming into his bases loaded uh, at bat today. So hopefully that changes things for him. And that was a massive moment. Um, Ballsy move by CC. I mean, I didn't like put this anywhere, but when he sent Luis out there, I was like, oh man, like it's just, this just seems like where the Cubs get out of this jam and we're battling uphill the whole night. And he laced a, a three-run double right down the left field line. So that hopefully that gets, uh, you know, the spark that gets him rolling. Because he is, if, if there's one thing that we do know about him, he is a talented player just putting the bat to the ball. And he's, he's kind of been struggling with doing that uh, to start. So hopefully he gets rolling. Um, ultimately, <laughs> it's still the weak spot of the team for me. And, and that's why the Trevor Story chatter – uh, will you say is consistent in, in Brewer's Twitter? <laughs> I mean, it, it ultimately makes sense. Um, he's on an expiring deal. The Brewers look to be contenders. The Rockies absolutely don't. And there's not really a chance. So we don't need to spend too much time on that. I mean, we we're all trying to speak it into existence and it seems like a, like a perfect fit. It's kind of like a, it, it's ultimately going to happen. We just got to keep on speaking it into existence here. <laughs> cool. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break. I think the, the second half of the pod, we can focus on the offense, defense. There's a couple of things that we need to talk about defensively. Um, you guys both know who I'm speaking of there. Um, and then we'll get into the remainder of the week and uh, what to expect. So we'll be right back here. All right, boys, we'll get uh, get started here talking about uh, the position player unit. Um, and honestly, before the last three days, um, <laughs> personally, I was like, this offense is starting to get a little worrisome. Um, but recently, the boys got hot over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, carried it into today, tonight, Monday, um, scored 18 runs against the Cardinals the last two games and then six tonight. So. I guess I'll just leave this as an open-ended question to you guys. Who has impressed you the most at the plate thus far through 10 games? So we're basically through one game of like an NFL season. That's what we've taken in <laughs> to put it in, in that kind of way. is kind of wild to think about, but what, who's impressed you guys the most? I mean, I think this is kind of the easy one. Uh, best hitter, best catcher, hitting catcher in the game right now is Omar Narvaez. Dude looks completely different up at the plate this year he's not swinging at that slider down and into and down into like his back foot anymore um i feel like last year he was just missing baseballs whatever adjustment he made this year he he got it right (laughs) he's currently posting like uh almost like a 1200 ops right now um leading all of catchers in all of baseball um couldn't ask for much more from this guy i mean it's kind of the spark plug one of the bright spots early on for us um kind of got the rest of the boys going so if he stays this hot man this lineup is just getting longer and longer as these dudes kind of show up 
Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start with my guy, and I will be tweeting receipts at some point, just so all <laughs> of you know. So make sure you cleanse your Twitter, cleanse your – actually, if you're, it's a text message, they're already screenshotted. So um, my man's Mr. Deuces, who is before tonight, I think, third in all of baseball and RBIs and has been coming up with big-time hits, just looks – relaxed at the plate he's got his k percentage down from the you know mid to high 30s that he was seeing it's our man's travis shaw who's now you know a middle of the order bat for us he's just he's so patient at the plate again too and it's just like he he always puts in good ab's um you know it's been absolutely awesome seeing that obviously he got it started on opening day had a massive bomb in st louis that i think went like 450 460 um, but I couldn't be happier for the guy. I mean, he, he obviously has experienced his best high with Milwaukee and is probably lowest low in his career with Milwaukee. So it's good to see the revenge tour fully on. And at this point, I don't know where the revenge tour ends. Does it end with an all-star appearance? Does it end with an MVP? Does it end with a, you know, silver slugger award? Who knows? I I'm not, I'm never going to ceiling Travis, but just know all of you, I have receipts and our man's is out for revenge. Damn, an MVP mention right there. <laughs> I'm not setting a ceiling for Travis. Like, <laughs> me and him have been through everything. And when I say everything, it was just – we shared a captain and diet together. And I just – it's – we have a bond that's hard to explain. Um, so, Travis, I'm going to ride him through thick and thin. And it, it, I'm just so glad he's off to a hot start. Yeah, Travis has been awesome. He's been really good defensively, too. I mean, he's just like a team <laughs> over there. I mean, if – like there's like on TV, there's that split second where the balls hit to the left side. And you're like, I don't know where that ball's going. You just know Travis has got a mitt on it somehow. Yeah. yeah he doesn't have, he doesn't really have the range uh, that other third baseman do do, but if he is within reach and can get his glove on it, he's getting his glove on it. And he's just so consistent. He doesn't have that strong of an arm, but he's just so accurate over there. Um, you know, it's just, I, I, yeah, I'm out of words with Travis. Travis got me speechless right now. Yeah, he's been awesome, man. So is Omar um, and Manny Pena even. I mean, he's only got a few starts, um, but when he subbed in there, he had a monster game on Sunday, was it, against the Cardinals? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Um, no. That catching unit, we kind of hyped it up the, the day before the season. We were like, hey, we might see like 25, 30 home runs from our catchers. And off to a good start. I mean, three of them combined, and they're both hitting the ball well. Um and Omar's defense, I mean, I think he's kind of creeping up to one of the better defensive catchers in all of baseball, which is insane because when we got him, that was the huge knock on him. Um, so I admittedly didn't watch Seattle um, and watch the, the way he played there, but you would never guess that he was be viewed as a poor defender at any point of his career, um, the way he's handling this pitching staff and throwing runners out and uh, he's been awesome all the way around. I think he was worth like negative war last year. I don't know what it was, what decimal point it was, but after tonight's game, he's going to be close to already worth one war um, after two weeks worth of baseball. Yeah. And he's leading all Brewers position players in that statistic. So that kind of shows you how hot he's been. Um, a guy, no, Christian Yelich has been really good too. Um, he, the power stroke hasn't come into play yet, um, but he's putting the ball in play. He's taking walks. I mean, his on-base percentage is very high. Um, and he's, you can just tell that he's just seeing the ball much better and that his, his streak where he can carry an entire offense um, is not far off um, from where he's at. Right now he's going through a little bit of back soreness. Um, hopefully, they're being very cautious with that and just kind of a night off today, maybe a day off tomorrow and get him in there by the weekend um, consistently. So we'll, we'll keep tabs on that. Um, I guess, but before we talk about the, the negative sides of uh, things here, I want to give a shout out to uh, Billy McKinney, who has been a pinch hit monster. Um, he was three for six coming into the night and then, he got three hits coming off the bench tonight. So, so he's a, he's a nice six for nine on the year. Um, I mean, he should, I, I wouldn't be surprised if counts, you know, rewards him with a start tomorrow against Hendricks. Yeah. Agreed. 
Uh, completely agree. He's been putting just solid APs, barely yeah. everything. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, especially with uh, either tomorrow or even Wednesday. They got two righties going. So I could see uh, Billy getting a start at first um, over Vogelbach over there if they continue to leverage Keshin at second while Colton's out. Yeah, and that's an interesting piece. I mean, we were kind of skeptical throughout uh, spring if McKinney was going to be a guy that made the team. But his versatility, I mean, you, you see, and this is – I'm losing my train of thought here, but uh, – it's kind of funny when people talk about, oh, there's way too many outfielders on this team. Just how quickly you're able to find this playing time. Um, like JBJ came into the year a little banged up. Low Kane was banged up early. Yelich now, like this, the season's long, man. It's not a 60-game sprint anymore. Um, 162, there's going to be plenty of playing time for everyone involved here. Um, but, yeah, his versatility is paying off, and he's putting together some, some pretty good at-bats right now. So that's, that's promising. One other guy you mentioned that maybe we're seeing a new part of his career, uh, lean back low, um, just found a power stroke, uh, you know, well into his career. Obviously, he had the two big bombs uh, in Chicago to kind of kind of steal that game after we lost it. But um, he's been driving the ball. I think his uh, I don't have his OPS in front of me, but he's got a couple doubles. He's obviously got the two home runs. So. Um, maybe we're starting to see a power version of low. I mean, I don't think he'll be a, ever a 20 home run or 30 home run guy, but maybe, you know, if he can get up close to 20, um, that's a Lorenzo we've never really seen um, in Milwaukee. So um, kind of good to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just seems like he's just trying to swing harder, honestly. Yeah, he's taking G-hacks tonight, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's uh, masked low cane just out there grinding. I love it. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll touch on the negative here. Um, so there's obviously uh, – there's probably like four guys we can point out that are struggling. We'll probably cover all of them here. But, uh, Boss, who's your guy that, you know, has had a tough first 10 games and you're looking to get turned around here quickly? Yeah, you know, I'll point out the elephant in the room. Obviously, Kesson Hira, dude's off to an abysmal start. It was almost striking out at a 50% clip. Just not not seeing the ball, missing middle-middle fastballs, off-speed pitches that were accustomed to him driving into the right center gap and over the wall. Um, I think he kind of came into the year with a lot of weight on his shoulders. Um, I know Brewers fans were expecting a lot. Um, I mean, he learned a new position this year as well. I never played there before. But as soon as you get uncomfortable in baseball, that ball fucking finds you in the field. I've been there where like you just don't want it to hit at you and sure shit next batter up hits a rocket at you. And every ball looks like it's nine mile, 900 miles an hour off the bat. And it's not, um, I think he just needs like the city of Milwaukee just to forget about him for a little bit, which after that bomb, he kind of got some weight off his shoulders a little bit. Um, I think he's going to come around, um, I mean, it's easy to say that you're worried about him, but I think he'll be fine. Yeah, Saturday, I think all four of his ABs produced exit velos of over 100 miles per hour. So if there is a bright spot with him, hopefully that's his page turned. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, um, honestly, I, I'll i be patient with him with the bat. The And I understand the growing pains at first base. But, dude, some of the mistakes he was making over there, I mean, if he didn't hit that bomb the following inning and our offense went down quietly, we could have easily lost that game on Saturday. And who knows what where morale is at at that point. And, um, you know, thankfully he did hit that three-run bomb. We're able to win and we're kind of rolling now. But, I mean, he, there's, there's some ground balls over there at first base where, like you said, he does not want that ball coming to him. He tried to play it off to the side. There's been times where he's had to make throws from first base where he's made errors on it. I, he probably, I mean, without looking it up, I can guarantee you he leads the league in first baseman errors. Um, it hasn't been a pretty start for him over there. So hopefully he's able to kind of learn on the fly and fix some of those mental mistakes. Cause honestly, I think most of it's mental at that point when you're playing first base, it really shouldn't be that difficult to, to handle that. Yeah. Um, he does not want that ball hit to him. You can just see it. You can see it in his fucking eyes, man. I, I mean, I, I've been there. I mean, you guys have probably been there too playing. Like you just don't want the ball hit to you. Yeah. You just, it's just in your head. You just, you just can't do it. He'll be fine though. 
Yeah, his baseball savant page is not pretty. I, I pulled it up right now. So hopefully he gets going and we can look at this in a few weeks. And, you know, he's on one of those monster hot streaks that we know that he's capable of. Yeah, his WRC plus right now is three. <laughs> I mean, he strikes out at a, at a brutal rate still. <laughs> Fifth percentile in both K percentage and whiff percentage. Um, so that's obviously a part of his game that, you know, through 10 games has, has obviously not been fixed. Um, Mitchell, who's your guy that's kind of been struggling. I'll save, I'll save your favorite position for you. I think you'll probably go there. Um, but mine's kind of a tag team cause they kind of go together cause they're both of our big off season acquisitions. I know Colton's hurt now. Um, but JBJ and Colton both at the plate have have really struggled. Um, I know they're, like I said, known for kind of their defense, um, but they've been at least league average or slightly better uh, the last couple of years. And um, they just really haven't provided any offensive value up to this point. Um, Wong's walked quite a bit. I know his uh, walk percentage is around 20%. So his on-base percentage is actually pretty decent. I think it's like 340, 350. Um, but he's just not putting the the ball and play enough um, and not producing really any solid contact at all. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, once he gets back from uh, the IL that he can kind of find that swing again, that, you know, us as Brewer fans had kind of been accustomed to because he always kind of killed us. So, um, you know, Wong kind of hoping for a bounce back and then JBJ has, has really struggled as well. Um, and he's looked a little bit more lost to me than Wong has because he's kind of like Keshin where he's missing very hittable pitches. Um, I know he smoked a triple today, and hopefully that's kind of his turning page. Um, but I kind of expected a bit more from him, especially because he started out early on in that first series against the Twins and hit a mammoth home run um, and hadn't really done anything since. So our two acquisitions um, offensively have been um, suboptimal, to say the least. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the, I mean, this is an extremely small sample size alert, but uh, the two guys that are negative F war, well, there's a handful, but the two worst players, according to Fangraph's war, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Keston Hira. <laughs> um, and Luis Urias is down there as well. Um, so they're all negative war. It's definitely not a spot where you want to be as an everyday type player through 10 games. Um, so if we're looking at the bright side is the Brewers are six and four and three key position players have yet to get even close to going. I mean, if they play even at a, you know, competent average level, that's going to be a huge difference maker. Um, we've already touched on this guy, Luis Urias. Um, the production has been poor. Um, I obviously just mentioned negative war. Um, hopefully tonight's a turning page in his season, um, but we'll see there. So keep an eye on those guys. Um, we probably should talk about it a little bit more. Colton Wong's a little banged up. He's on the 10 day, right? Or is he even? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he'll be out for a little bit here. And hopefully it's something that's not lingering too much. All the quotes from Counts, Colton Wong himself, et cetera, kind of make it seem like this is a, a minor thing and it, he'll be back and going here in a week or so. So fingers crossed there. Um, yeah, I mean, besides Keston, I think defensively everyone's been – Pretty solid. Robertson made a costly error in that game on Thursday against the Cardinals where he was kind of 50-50 on if he was going to run the ball to second or toss it or whatever the hell he was doing there. But that was when Colton had to come out of the game with that injury. So unfortunate in it timing there. Um, you guys got any other comments um, on, you know, anything really, the first 10 game observations, whether it be NL Central opponents MLB, anything that comes to mind for you guys early on here? Uh, my biggest takeaway, at least uh, through the first couple of games, obviously the rotation has been incredible, but like you, we touched on it a little bit. The fact that we're getting to play what I would say is our two biggest competitors in the division so early on and so consistently, I know the Reds are, I think, I don't know if the Reds won today. They had been in first, but the Reds just don't scare me. I don't think they're, 
bats will continue to be as hot as they are right now in their rotation and bullpen early on, actually. But, you know, we talked all along about St. Louis and Chicago kind of being the two teams. And us setting the tone with both of those, you know, ideally if we can find a way to win one of the next two and win the series again against Chicago, to take the first three series between St. Louis and Chicago is just a huge pace setter for me, kind of kind of setting a tone for the rest of the division to say, hey, you know, this division's going to go through Milwaukee this year has been a huge bright spot for me to see, you know, us getting off to a great start against our biggest competition. So that's kind of been my takeaway is like, you know, we're kind of getting fed to the wolves right away in terms of schedule, at least kind of how it looks like it's going to play out. And for us to kind of come out hot now, um, it's been great. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned this, I think on Saturday after we beat St. Louis, maybe Sunday, but I genuinely thought with this week, we got six games, three against the Cubs, three against the Pirates, where there's a genuine path to being 10 and five um, going into that Padre series next week. And at this point, we got that first win under the belt. Um, We have our two horses going the next two days um, against the Cubs lineup who is striking out at a, at a high clip. You like our odds there. Um, even if we just split that or, you know, hopefully we sweep the Cubs and only drop one to the Pirates. Either way, there's a, there's a path to going four and one and really making that Padre series a, a serious showdown um, and a chance for us to make a statement um, against some of the big dogs in the NL. Yeah, just one quick to add because you brought it up and I was, you know, scrolling through Twitter nuggets. Uh, this was tweeted by Cubs historian Ed Hartig. The Cubs' 49 hits are the fewest hits by the team over 10 consecutive games in a season since at least 1901. That's any 10-game stretch, not just the first 10 games of a season. So, yeah, the Cubs have been historically bad offensively. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a combination of them getting off to slow starts and seeing a lot of the Brewers' arms early on. Right. So the recipe for disaster. It'll be interesting to see like how we do against Pittsburgh, if they're going to be a thorn in our side or if we're going to handle them, I would prefer the latter. Well, Steve, Steven Brault is on the 60 day DL. So we know we're okay there. <laughs> is it 60 days? I was listening to a podcast that he was on today. Very interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, he's, got like a, he's got that net, like that fishing net on his elbow. It's just weird. It's weird as fuck. Dude, yeah, we. This is a Brewers pod, but I would welcome a Stephen Brault appearance for sure. <laughs> These are man's. Cool boys. Well, I don't think uh, I don't think I have anything else. I mean, like I said, we got a couple more against the Cubs, three against the Pirates, and we'll be back um, Sunday night with another pod to recap the the next five games here. So the Brewers are rolling, the arms are hot, and the bats are are getting hot as well. So it's a fun time to be a fan. You guys got anything or we good to go? We are good. All right, let's roll. Let's cook. It's almost Woody Day, baby. Let's go. Nobody on the road. Nobody on the beach. Feel it in the air. The summer's out of reach. Empty lake, empty streets. The sun goes down. Yeah.